This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Behind the Line podcast, where we discuss all things related to the Super Retriever series. Hey, everybody, welcome back. It's me, your host, David Hamilton, and today... We have a guest that I'll be honest, I've been looking forward to talking to for quite some time since the Crown Championship, Stephen Gooseman. Uh, now, before we get started, we want to take a moment to say a quick thank you to our sponsor, Yukonuba, the Super Retriever Series Crown Championship, and this Behind the Line podcast series are all brought to you by Yukonuba, leader in premium nutrition for sporting and working dogs. If you regularly listen to the show, you know that right now we're kind of recapping last year's Crown Championship. Uh, we first talked to the winner in the uh, pro division and then the winner in the um, amateur division, then the runner-up, and now we are following up with our other runner-up this year. So on the line with me here is Steven Guzman. And Steven, you're kind of new to the SRS. Um, so first, I just want to say, hey, man, welcome to the podcast. And more importantly, you know, welcome to Super Retriever Series competitions. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. So of all the people that make the crown, most of them have been playing this game for quite some time. Um, they're either, you know, hey, I've been in, in Super Retriever Series competing in this competition for five, ten years, or, or even some of them maybe competed years ago and took some time off like Scott Greer. But you're really new to, to this part of the sport. You've obviously competed in dog games before, but tell us how you became aware of the Super Retriever Series or, or why you thought that you and your dog, Dre, m might be able to you know, hold your own here in this competition and just kind of take us back to that, you know, first SRS event that you ran and, and why you were interested in taking part in this sport. Yeah. So my whole goal when I got Dre is, you know, the super retriever series was starting to become pretty big. And I was like, all right, you know, I got this puppy. This is going to be my ultimate goal is to try to, you know, train and get him, I guess you can say, you know, diversified enough to be able to do hunt tests, field trials, a little bit of everything. And, um, you know, I went and watched a SRS that was held at H Cooper black and was just amazed at like the talent level of the dogs and what these dogs are doing. I was like, all right, you know, I want to do this one day. And that's really kind of what sparked my interest in it. And, you know, it's, 
as much as we'd all like to, you, you don't, you get lucky to be, have a dog that can do this, to do all these kind of things. And fortunately, you know, Dre's kind of, I feel like my one in a million and, uh, you know, he's, he's afforded me the ability to be able to play this game now. And, uh, but yeah, as far as being new, yeah, very new. Uh, I, I ran two events prior to the crown and I'm still learning. I mean, it's, there's so much, you know, after going to the crown that, you know, that I've, that I've learned about the SRS and, you know, yeah, I've, I've still got a ton to learn. I don't know if you can actually learn everything. Your background specifically, are you more of a field trial guy? Are you more of a hunt test guy or, or a little bit of both? Um, a little bit of both ran some qualifiers, but mostly hunt tests. Uh, you know, a lot of grew up uh, working for a pro trainer and he did a lot of AKC hunt tests. And when I got out of college, I got back mostly into HRC hunt tests. And then in the last few years, I've kind of jumped back into the AKC hunt tests and things like that. Um, so you said you did two SRS, uh, events qualified for the crown. What was going through your mind as you kind of headed down to, to Shreveport and Bossier city? I mean, <laughs> did you think that you and Drake could compete or were you just going out there excited to be in the field or did you think, Hey man, we yeah. might have a shot at winning this thing. You know, I really just, when everybody's like, how do you feel? I was like, I'm, you know, this is going to be a learning experience. I don't know how we're going to do. We trained very hard. I mean, we trained very hard leading up to the crown, and I, you know, Dre was running well I and mean, we were working, we were clicking together as a team. And, you know, I said, well, you know, whoever knows what'll happen, you know, but honestly I was like, all right, this will be a good learning experience. It'll be fun. Um, I knew there was a heck of a lot of talented dogs we had to run against. And, you know, I guess after the first series, I was kind of like, Hey, wait a minute, you know, let's see what can happen. And we just kind of kept plugging along at it. I'm glad you mentioned that first series because as we've talked with some of our other guests, you know, typically our judges don't give a ton of points. They don't nitpick about things. They're certainly fair, but, you know, some of the scores may be a little bit lower than what we saw in that first series. And, you know, we saw people go out there and they're posting triple digit scores. I mean, anything even close to 100 or, or under was was great. I mean, I'm even looking, you know, right here right now at the at the top you know, six dogs that ultimately after five series, you know, finished first through six in both the amateur and the open division. And among those 12 dogs, you know, in that first series, 10 of them had a hundred or more. And you go out there in series one and you and Dre, man, put up a 57. You got to be proud of that first series run. Just talk us through that day and what was going through your mind as you're at the line. And then kind of, as you finished it up, did you think, all right, yeah, we kind of knocked that one out the park. Yeah. So since I really didn't have and still don't have a whole lot of experience in the SRS, I watched a lot of a lot of guys run, a lot of people who I think are obviously had a lot of success in the SRS. I kind of wanted to see how they attacked the test. Uh, you know, I was taking notes, just trying to see what our game plan would be. And, you know, overall, it was still, it was a marking test. And Dre's pretty young. I mean, he's young in comparison to a lot of dogs who are doing well at this right now. But one thing, he don't really seem to get too rattled by all the decoys. Um, he don't get too rattled by the decoys. The you know we've never obviously had snow goose you know microphones out there playing you know the the calls and stuff. So I was I wasn't really sure how he was going to handle all that, but he worked with me pretty well and you know watched the birds and you know ran you know kind of we communicated well together in that series. He uh, you know the the short birds he you know he kind of steps checked down on and got those, and then you know the left hand bird which was giving everybody a lot of trouble. Um, 
I was able to kind of talk him into the right line and he stepped on it. Uh, other than that, though, the big thing in that series was I had the option to run. I mean, it, it, I would have been the last or, you know, the last dog of the day or the first dog the next morning. And I really was kind of battling if it was the right time to run. And I'm really glad that I did because I think he was able to see me on the blind that gave a lot of dogs some trouble. And uh, I think the lighting conditions worked out pretty well for us to see the marks. And, you know, I feel like that that call to run paid off. You mentioned, um, you know, in your training, you don't see a lot of or, or do a lot of things like the the snow geese and that sort of thing. You're from South Carolina. So uh, how <laughs> different was your training in South Carolina as opposed to what you actually saw when you got down to Louisiana? You know, the the amount of decoys and stuff like that, especially, you know, I train I train with Mr. Bob Jones, who's no stranger to the SRS. He, he lives about 10, 15 minutes down the road from me. Uh, you know, but when I train by myself a ton as well, it, you know, you don't, I put out decoys sometimes, but to say that I put out, you know, a couple hundred snow geese, I mean, you know, or panel blinds and stuff like that. I mean, you know, unfortunately trying to get training in before work or during lunch break or after work, you don't have the time to do all that. So my approach to training was like watching a lot of YouTube videos of previous SRSs and you know, I would run a bunch of singles out of, you know, dog huts or off of dog stands on the edge of the water. So really just kind of brushed up on the fundamentals, worked on a lot of poison birds. Uh, but yeah, I mean, so that series already kind of had me overwhelmed with me being remote from him, him being in the dog hut, me in the panel blind. So it was kind of really kind of impressed me the way he handled it to be such a young dog. So you go out there after the first series and now you got to prove that it wasn't just a fluke that you, that you're there to, you know, compete for the full weekend, put your name up there at the top of the leaderboard. Uh, talk to us a little bit about, you know, going out there in, in series two, uh, what the judges were looking for and how you thought you and Dre did as you put up a score of 172. Yeah. So, uh, series two, uh, we, you know, I, and I know we'll get there. I, I kind of series two in the last series, they were the scores were higher, obviously, than I wanted to. I can't say that I felt they were bad series. They were bad mark. I had two bad marks overall, in my opinion, in the SRS that killed us. And you know, in series two, that put Dre and I in an area, and you know, where we're kind of unfamiliar ground. We don't handle on a lot of marks in training. We do a lot of rethrowing, recalling, uh, you know, things like that. We don't do a lot of handling on marks, so. Dre is a very confident dog, especially when it comes to marking. So we got into a little bit of a battle on that right-hand bird, and that's kind of where we racked our points up. I would probably say that bird was a 80, 90-point bird for us. So, I mean, you know, that's that series got us a little bit. Everything else, I mean, I felt like he worked with us pretty well, kind of a more of a big hunt test series, which, you know, we run a lot of hunt tests, and a lot of the buddies that I train with, they're more hunt test guys, so... I find us, you know, doing more hunt test setups than, you know, than anything else. So that's, uh, that was kind of my take from that series. Uh, overall, well, I mean, ran good blinds for me. Uh, we just kind of struggled on that right hand mark when it comes to an issue of handling. In a situation like that, when you know your dog, but your dog is just trying to do what you want him to do and also what he's been trained, do you think he understands what's going on in that situation or do you think he's taking it? bird by bird, whereas maybe you're thinking larger strategy of series by series or the total weekend. Yeah. I mean, I'm obviously thinking series by series, you know, how can we get out of each series with as least damage as possible? 
And I think, you know, Dre's in his mind, he sees X amount of birds go down and we're going to go try to pick these birds up. And, you know, again, he's like, all right, I feel like I know where this bird is. And, you know, that's kind of where we butted heads a little bit in that second series. Um, but overall, like I said, he, he worked with me really well. Uh, and, you know, I thought, I still thought it was a good series and we're still just, you know, we're still kind of in there and, you know, plugging along and, you know, just kind of still playing, I guess is like, you know, I just kind of looked at it as like, all right, what can we do to, to get to the next series and just keep hanging around and keep knocking at the door? Yeah, I know myself and the other two hosts of the live stream. I mean, we're certainly looking at it in series one and series two. Okay, how are people doing? But as we start to get to series three, that's when we start to look at, you know, who might be the contenders this week, right? Who Who's starting to put up a, a consistent uh, set of performances in each series that we know they're going to be here, you know, at the end, they're going to be here every time we cut the field, they're going to make the cut and who's going to be sitting there on Sunday with a chance to win the crown championship. And so we started to to look at some of those people at the top of the leaderboard and your name was up there. And, you know, we were like, wow, you know, this newcomer, he's up there and he's holding his own. And, and I don't know what was going through through your mind at the line, but to us, you didn't look nervous. You didn't overly look like you were in over your head or that it was something you couldn't handle, but you looked like you were confident that you and your dog deserved to be there. And just wondering if that's also what was going on on the inside. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, my small group of people from around here, they, I take this really seriously and, and you know, I've given up a lot of hobbies other than dog training and, you know, I, I'm a pretty serious amateur. Um, it's truly what I love. So, I mean, we work really hard at it. So kind of when I got through the first and second series jitters, I'm like, all right, it's time, you know, we can hang with everybody. I've, I've you know, I've kind of told myself that. And at this point I've kind of just completely changed to a, all right, you know, Dre, let's, let's get this done. You and I can do this, you know, series three. You've, you've seen what they've thrown at you, Series 1 and Series 2. You have to be thinking that it's some kind of big white coat setups come in Series 3. And yep. sure enough, it was. It was a huge field, uh, 400 yards, the long bird probably, um, retired gunner. So just, you know, was that something you were prepared for? Did you think when you saw it with the test dog that day that like, all right, you know, Dre and I, man, we're still good in this thing? Yeah, so I, you know, we'd obviously, I mix a bunch of white coat training into my regular training. And, you know, Dre had a pretty good derby career and he's a QA2 dog. So he's no stranger to, uh, you know, white coat game. And, you know, I was watching some of the dogs before us run and, you know, the go bird wasn't causing too much of a trouble, but the other two marks were the two, the double, the two retired birds. So, you know, he got, he picked up the go bird pretty well, did really well on the right bird. And then now it's the, it's the middle bird. So, I told myself, I was like, all right, you know, give him a chance to, you know, drive past that standout, you know, the still standout white guns from the go bird. And when I kind of saw him breaking down, I, at that point, I'd be like, all right, Steven, blow the whistle now. So, you know, we don't get in trouble. That's, that was kind of my strategy going into that series. Like, go ahead and get him back there, drive past that to the bird. And, and he worked with me pretty well at that distance and casted back after, I think a couple of verbal backs and uh, he got back there and picked up that bird. And that turned out not to be too bad of a series for us. Talk to some of the other handlers and they, and, and I'm assuming your answer is probably going to be similar, but they said, look, the judges were two things. They were fair, but they also docked us for everything. So yeah, they were docking me for everything, but they were docking everybody else for, for everything too. So the scores were going to be a bit higher than if we had different judges, but at least they were consistent in how they judged it. Was that one of the reasons why you decided, okay, go ahead and get on the whistle here and get him back on track? 
Yeah, I did um, that. And, you know, and, you know, just like, you know, unfortunately it happens in the SRS. Uh, I saw some people just get into big time trouble by letting their dog try to hunt that bird and work it out. And they got real deep and, you know, the dog would pop up 150 yards over to the right and then would get behind that cut. Uh, sorry, to the left. I mean, both sides had a lot of danger in it where people completely lost their dog. And I was just like, okay, you know, with the way they're scoring and they started posting some scores, I said, let's just not let that happen. Let's, you know, let's get out. If we got a handle, let's get there, get that bird and get back and get out of the series as quickly as we can. It was kind of my strategy. But uh, yeah, I felt those scores were, were pretty spot on with everybody. The people who got in trouble, the scores were reflecting it. And I was just trying to keep us out of that situation. So first series, you have a, a 57, then a 172, and then a 72. So you're sitting there after three series with a 301. Man, you're you're killing it at that point. Um, <clears throat> you know that we're going into series four. We've cut the field. Um, we're over there in that new location on the same property. For, for those that watched the live stream, uh, it was a very large property, and there were a lot of different elements. So you may be watching on the live stream and go like, wow, that's completely different, but it was only a mile or two away from where we were earlier. So we go from a big open field with not much out there uh, to another little test that was kind of down a hill and back up a little bit. Um, there <clears throat> there were some some tricks there that if you yeah. weren't careful, you could get in trouble. Uh, just talk people through, you know, series four and, and just the layout of that series and what you thought the judges were look, looking for before you went up there. And then we'll talk about, you know, actually your performance in that series, because that was just a masterpiece. Yeah, you know, I joke, I was I joking around with a bunch of friends and even my wife. I was like, God, I was like, we're the last. I think Stephen, I think Stephen Endurance had Abby to run. And I think there was only three or four of us that had the dogs left to run in that series. And, you know, all the equipment got moved over to get ready for the for the final series. I was like, dang, why couldn't that one be televised? Because when I saw that series, I kind of felt like that that looked like a Dre series to me. I mean, we, we worked on a, a bunch of poison birds. We've done some primary selection. Um, I just felt like it was a big hunt test and I felt like it was going to set up good for him. And, and he did. I mean, he, we picked up, uh, we primary selected and picked up that bird and then went back and he ran a great blind for me. And he picked up the two short right birds, uh, you know, with, whole, with not a lot of trouble. I mean, he I, almost like he put them out there himself. So he really had a team player uh, mindset in that series, and uh, he worked with me well. So, and again, like I said, I felt I wasn't real nervous going in that series because, like I said, I felt like that set, that series set up good for him. It's a lot how we train. Um, you know, he does really well in hunt tests. We had just come off the grand. I mean, tr grand training, mean, he's been marking really well. And that was, to me, was kind of like a kind of a grandish setup mixed in with a master test a little bit. And um, and it went well for us. I mean, it really did kind of got me real, real excited. Um, you know, when we walked off the line in that series, I expected a pretty decent score. We're chatting with the 2021 Crown Championship amateur runner-up, Stephen Guzman, with his dog, Dre. Stephen, before we head into talking about Series 5 and just the crown overall, do want to take another quick moment here to thank our sponsor, Yukonuba. Sporting dogs give us everything we can ask for, and then some. Their nutrition should do the same for them. You can find out more information about Yukonuba at yukonubasportingdog.com. Also, follow them on your favorite social media channel, Facebook and Instagram. Just look them up, username Yukonuba Sporting Dog. Steven, you're heading into Series 5. Part of me thinks... 
correct me if I'm wrong here again, but part of me thinks <laughs> you're going into that going, hey, man, I got a shot at this, but also like, ooh, this last test can can really mess somebody up if they if they get astray in that water or if they get around that bend and they can't see their dog. So what were you thinking heading into that final? Did you think, like, we got this or, all right, we got to play it safe or just what, man? Yeah, I mean, definitely by that time, the nerves are starting to – you're like, yeah, you know, we got a chance, we're, we're doing well, but the nerves are starting to, you know, build up a little bit. You definitely feel like you're walking around with the X on your back. Uh, it starts becoming like a, low, a lonely environment. <laughs> so yeah i mean it, again i mean it was a the series you know i, I like the way it was set up uh you know dre had been running some really good blinds and stuff like that and worked on a you know worked on you know outgoing diversion birds and things like that i mean i i felt like there was nothing in the series that was gonna you know really 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 give him a big fit um but you know now we're getting to what day three or four of this and Again, you know, by no means making excuses, but he's a lot of dog. He's a young dog. Mm -hmm. And I knew he's going to start getting a little more antsy. Um, you know, so that was part, that was in my mind too. Like, you know, keeping his line manners in check and making sure he see these birds and things like that. So, you know, all that was starting to come into play, you know, going into, going into that series. Where did it go wrong in that series? And I mean that 100% respectfully because I was sitting there watching it and, and it was one of those moments for us. We're sitting up there, myself and J. Paul Jackson and Rody yeah. Best, and we're like, Steven's got this. And then there's that one moment where we're like, yeah. mm, depending on how the judges judge this, yeah. that might have lost him the crown. So I'll be honest with you. I, have, I've, I haven't gone back to watch it. Um, you know, I, I want I just kind of put it behind me. It, it's what happened. You know, when... I saw a lot of stuff in our training pay off in that series. One was the outgoing diversion bird. I mean, we've worked on that in training. He watched that bird go off and never stopped running, you know, running the blind. So, I mean, I was like, heck yeah, Dre, you know, you're, you're, you're doing what we're doing, you know, being a team player, keep at it. You know, I've gone back a million times, you know, and just thought about the very last bird. I don't know. If when the, when we call, when I was called for the test to start, if he didn't see it, if he couldn't hear my whistle, you know, he got caught back in the woods and would just never come back out. And, you know, I go back and tell myself, you know, should I just, should I try to run it, you know, as a mark, you know, did he see it? It's just one of those things. I, I, he went a little self-employed on me and, you know, and that's something kind of back to what we talked about in the second series. I mean, we don't handle on a lot of marks. So we're, we're, on, we're both on unfamiliar grounds in that situation. And then we're also in unfamiliar grounds at about 375 yards away from each right. other. So, you know, and I got back and started thinking about like, you know, what can I do to work on this so that don't happen again? And, you know, I don't know. I, don't, I train with a bunch of different people. There's a field trial group that I train with. And, you know, these guys are all field trial people. That's all they do is field trials. So if I show up one, like one Saturday morning to train with these guys, I'm like, Hey guys, I had a tough bout at the crown. I need to work on handling on marks today. They would literally look at me like I lost my mind about handling on marks. <laughs> you know what I mean? But you know, I've had to like change my way of thinking obviously to be successful in the SRS. I mean, you've got to handle on marks and that's, that is, you know, that's 100% part of the game. So I've had to kind of reshift my, reshift my thinking on it, you know, change my training on it. Um, but I mean, I, I really think that was a big part of it. I, I would like to say you heard my whistle, 
Um, you know, I don't know if you remember or not, but I was blowing, uh, like, you know, typical kind of style sport dog style whistle the entire time. And I put a more of a field trial mega whistle in my pocket. And just in case, cause we started getting some wind and stuff like that. And after the battle, I blew that big whistle and he stopped on a dime. So that's kind of what put some of the doubt in my mind that he wasn't hearing my whistle. But, you know, at the end of the day, I just don't know. I think I had a lot of it had to do with handling on the mark. And as you know, most people who train and run dogs, I mean, it's been said a million times, distance erodes control. And I think that was a big part of it as well. He was also around the bend from you. I mean, I know where you were set up for people that are, that are visioning this in their head, the handlers are over to the right. And then where our stage was set up, they had set us up kind of in between the dogs and the handlers because they wanted us who were calling the live stream to be able to see the handler and also see the dog. But you had an area where you could walk. And so from where we were, we could see him when he got up on that bend kind of behind where you wanted him to go. Correct. But from where the handlers had to stand, you couldn't see him on that little hill as he had gone up that's, over. That's right. And so we were sitting up there and we could see him the whole time. But the handlers, whether it had been you or any other handler, would have not been able to visually yeah. see him once he once he got up there. But yeah, I, I caught glances of him like a couple times. And then I, and even like first I, where I think we probably still could have been saved. He came down once or twice and he just I was like, God, why did he not see that white bumper behind that tree? You know, because I would I would think from his angle, his viewpoint, it would have been pretty, you know, pretty easy to see. Uh, but, you know, it just didn't work out like that. And, you know, we ended up second place and, uh, and, you know, and I beat myself up over that so bad for a while, but then I started, you know, I tried to think about it. I was like, man, we ran two SRS events and then we went to the crown and we had a heck of a show. And, and, and it's not that we, you know, goodness gracious, Mr. Mike Gibson. I mean, that's the second time him winning the crown, um, you know, uh, Stuart Williams. I mean, I, I was running with some very, very experienced people and some great talented dogs and some really good guys. I mean, John Lamar, Mr. Carl, all those guys were in the top, you know, in that final series and, and man, they're all, they're no stranger to this. They've had a lot of success in it. And, um, you know, when I, when I look back at the whole situation, I was like, you know what, we, that was a pretty big deal what we did. And, you know, Dre's four years old. So I keep telling myself, you know, we keep the same desire on training. I can't wait to see, you know, Dre stays healthy. I can't wait to see what, you know, five, six, seven year old Dre looks like. Absolutely. And I'm glad that you were able to to process that and get through that one negative and look at it as a positive, because that's where we're going to take the podcast too, man, is overall, what a performance. Like you said, that was literally the third time you had run an SRS event, right? Two events, you make the crown. And then you're, you're runner-up. Wow, what an amazing performance. And even with the 360 in the fifth series, you only lost the overall crown championship by 102 points to one of the toughest competitors out there, Mike Gibson. So absolutely, you should be proud of the performance that you put on there in Shreveport and Bossier City. And I think everybody in the SRS now definitely knows when they see your name among the competitors, they know, all right, this guy came to play. Um, you talked about Dre being four years old, uh, going to continue to keep training him, going to continue to keep competing. Tell us a little bit about Dre. First of all, let's, uh, let's start. He's got a, a pretty interested, uh, <laughs> register name <laughs> yeah. and, uh, that, that might tell people who, who listen to a particular type of music, why his call name is Dre. Yeah. Uh, tell everybody his full name, please. Yeah. So everybody knows I was excited about the Super Bowl halftime. Um, 
Yeah, so Dre's full name is Trinity's Nothing But a G Thing. Uh, it was, I have to give credit to my wife. She actually came up with that name. That was a pretty popular, uh, pretty popular record. We know when we were in high school to come out. And, um, anyways, our last name being Guzman G thing. So we thought that was pretty catchy. So I have to give her credit for that. So called name Dre and, uh, he's been a pretty cool dog. Um, I mean, just, he just always seems to kind of, he's always had it. I don't know. It's hard to explain. I remember the very first started test. I went and ran with him. Dre was only like 20 weeks old. And I remember walking to the line and that club, it was in Georgia. They actually had a, they were doing like a puppy division later that afternoon when everything was over with back at the hunt test headquarters. And she was like, Hey sir. She's like, we're going to do the puppy division later on this afternoon. I was like, no ma'am, I'm going to run started with them. I mean, he was a puppy puppy. And, you know, Dre, I think I had his, uh, I think one or two finished passes on him at um, 10, 11 months old. And he's just always been a trainable dog, a, a, just a heck of a work ethic, good attitude. And it's, uh, we just had that bond together. I don't know. We, we grind it out, you know, six days a week, usually training. We usually take a day off and um, he usually gives it 110%, you know, 90% of the time on, on those days. Yeah, from what I noticed, seeing his demeanor as he was walking to the line and the holding blind when it was his turn, anything that whole weekend, he just seemed like the rare combination of confidence, but like not not overly confident, no, not overly anxious. Right? He just yeah. seemed like he was chill, even keeled, which is which is really impressive for a for a four year old. Um, what do you think his biggest strengths are, and what are his biggest? I, I won't say weaknesses, but what are his biggest areas where maybe some improvement yeah. could help him? become a crown champion at the age of five, six, seven, when he's in his prime. Yeah. I, I mean, Dre's a good marking dog. I mean, just like this week along, I mean, he, he's just kind of one of them modes right now. If he sees it, he's going to go get it. Uh, he's definitely a good marking dog. And I would give him that as a strong point and running poison, poison bird seems to be a good strength of his. He's really come around a lot on that. Um, and then, you know, honestly, the same exact thing is his weakness. I feel like he sometimes he's such a good, confident marking dog. I, you saw what happened. It, and when he doesn't hit a mark pretty quickly, he almost, I don't want to say panics, but he's like, all right, I, this should be here. And then I think if I have to get to a situation where I got to handle him, you know, he's like, all right, I'm pretty sure I know where this is at. And sometimes we'll butt heads a little bit there. And that's one of the things uh, we've tried to work on. You know, uh, I have another pretty nice little female. She's a HRCH, real small little female. And she's my hunting dog. So I, she's my duck hunting dog. And so Dre this year, you know, hadn't duck hunted. So we pretty much stayed in training mode since the crown. Wow. So, that was my next question was how much y'all hunt together. But I guess if you don't yeah. hunt with him, he's just training the full time. Yeah, That's great. So, yeah. So Dre's been training the whole since the crown. And, um, you know, so a matter of fact, I think I told you, uh, when we were trying to schedule this, I'm, Right before I jumped on the call with you, I mean, I was packing up. We're we're leaving to head to Alabama tomorrow to run. You know, I'm I'm so excited. I'm already qualified for the crown, um, you know, in 2022. But uh, we're gonna we're gonna go run the the first Ala the first SRS event this year in Alabama. Um, and I'm excited about it. I mean, man, there's already some great you know great people. I think what three three or four of the of the top do top six dogs of the crown are all gonna be there. So I mean, it's it's going to be a really good, uh, you know, really good 
test to see where we are right now in life, you know, going into the season. But uh, my goal was to run an SRS event real early. And then we're going to, you know, go back to training really hard throughout the year. And then I'm probably going to try to catch an event at the very end of the year um, just to kind of get back on the line time and, you know, see if there's any kind of new little trends going on the SRS people are starting to do that, you know, maybe we hadn't trained for or hadn't seen. And that's just kind of my plan for the season. Awesome. You told us a little bit about your dog. You told us a little bit about how often we can expect to see you out on the, on the trail this year of, of super retriever series events. Let's talk a little bit about you. And, and that's how we handle it here. It's a dog focused show. We talk about the dogs for the people. So for those who may not know about you, uh, what do you do for a living and uh, how often you get to train? And uh, yeah, just a little bit about Steven himself. Yeah. So uh, I work for Duke Energy. Uh, my title is large account management. So I, you know, a lot of manage about 75, 80 accounts uh, throughout South Carolina and North Carolina. And, you know, like a lot of positions, COVID has been a big change. I mean, I've worked from home for the last two years. So I've, you know, had the opportunity to get out early and train before, you know, I prop up on the island in the kitchen and get on the laptop and start working and you know, a lot of my training grounds that I get to train on are all within a couple miles from my house. So, uh, so sometimes during lunch, I'm able to run down to one of my buddy's farm ponds and run some blinds or, you know, things like that. So, you know, COVID has given me the opportunity to do some training that typically, you know, being in the office setting, you know, doesn't allow you, um, that. And, you know, so I would probably say we train typically, we train probably six days a week. We usually take a day off, typically Sundays. And I've got Dre. I've got another boy. I've got a Boykin Spaniel that's a nice little young female that's got an HRCH. And she's uh, won back-to-back national championships at Boykin Spaniel Nationals. So I'm real competitive with her. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, I, I love the fact I stand over my dogs every day. I feel like I know what they're going to do. 90% of the time, obviously not all the time, but, uh, you know, I think that's a big part of our success. I mean, we, we're truly, we're a team. Yeah. And he's part of the family. So Absolutely. for sure, before we let you go, uh, we normally on these podcasts end with a final five questions. It's rapid fire. So don't overthink it. I'm going to read a question here off of my list. And first thing that comes to mind, uh, you ready to go? Yeah. <laughs> question number one, what's something about you? Most people don't know. Um, I'm a, I'm big into culinary, big, love to cook, love to try different things, love to cook for people, love to entertain. Uh, question one, a, a follow-up question to that one doesn't count as one of my five questions. What's your favorite <laughs> thing to cook? Uh, shrimp and grits. Oh yeah. I'm from South Carolina as well. So I am a connoisseur of shrimp and grits and I'm also very judgy of restaurant shrimp and grits. <laughs> FYI. <laughs> same, very, same, same, same. <laughs> Number two, uh, when I say retriever, who's the first dog that comes to mind and why? Mm. Bobo, uh, Bobo that Steven Durant trained. Dre is a Bobo puppy and, you know, Bobo was very successful in goodness gracious, the SRS, the grand master national. And so Bobo has kind of been my driving factor on to try to hit those goals that Bobo did. Awesome. If you had to describe yourself in one word, what would it be? Determined. If you could have any profession in the world other than your own, what would you like to attempt? I would love to own a restaurant. Ooh, okay, yeah, that goes back to the culinary thing. That's great. 
Final question. You have a weekend to yourself. No dog games to compete in. Nothing you got to do for your work. No honey-do list like cut the grass. How are you spending that time? My wife and I are probably going to Charleston to hang out. We just, we love Charleston. I went to Citadel. So Charleston, we're about, you know, an hour and 40 minutes from Charleston. So there's just a lot of restaurants, bars that we love hanging out and doing things. I was, we would definitely spend the weekend in Charleston. Amen. That's me and my wife too. I always, my family's from upstate South Carolina, but we've always gone down to the Charleston area. And I've told everyone, even though I live in Raleigh, if I disappear and y'all can't find me, it's not an unsolved mystery. Just go to Isle of Palms, South Carolina, and I'm probably sitting on the beach with a beer in my hand. <laughs> That's probably where I'm at at any time. Absolutely. For sure, man. Steven, such a, a great time chatting with you today. You too, We're going to end you. on this, a Dr. Dre line. I also liked the Super Bowl halftime show because I also like Dr. Dre. There's a lyric in a Dr. Dre, an Eminem song, Forgot About Dre. And the only thing I'll say is after the performance you put up this year in the 2021 Crown Championship, ain't nobody in this game forgetting about Dre. Everybody has now been put on notice that Steven and Dre are here to play, and best of luck to you in the 2022 season and at the 2022 Crown Championship, because as you mentioned a minute ago, since you're the runner-up, automatically qualified for this year's Crown Championship. We'll see you back there, and uh, who knows, man, maybe this year you go from runner-up to uh, the winner, but again, amazing performance this year, and we're glad to have you uh, here in the Super Retriever Series and also on the podcast, so thanks for taking some time to chat with us. Thank you very much. I enjoyed it. All right, man. Have a great day. Take care.